I'm Matt, founder and CEO of Live School, and this is the Live School Podcast. Our guest today is Brianna Van Helden, Intervention Specialist and PBIS Coach at Heights Elementary. That's down in Lee County School District in Florida. Uh, thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So to start out, could you just tell us about how your school got started in its PBIS journey? Absolutely. So we started as a PBIS school back in 2019, in the 2019-2020 school year, which is kind of a little bit of an interesting time in education. It's where oh, things yeah. really started to maybe shift a little bit. Um, but this is our fourth year using the live school program. Um, it's been something that was a very slow rollout, um, but it was for us, it was a no-brainer to utilize it with becoming a PBIS school. And take us back, like, how did you decide, well, did you start with sort of a paper-based system initially for reinforcement for students, or did you immediately jump into a digital platform? What was that decision like? We did jump into a digital platform from the beginning. Um, we did not use all components from the get-go, but we did jump into that. There were a couple areas of our building that used some paper-based um, things like our enrichment areas and things like that. But for the most part, we jumped right into the digital platform. It's really interesting because a lot of schools, of course, start with the tried and true, you know, the, the tickets or the coupons or the box. Uh, just curious what that conversation was like. Was it a committee that was looking and thinking through it and said, no, we, we really need something a little different? Uh, or how did you jump to, to go digital right from the get-go? So I actually was not in this position when that decision was made, but mm -hmm. our assistant principal and dean of discipline really kind of spearheaded that. Um, they were both newer to their positions, and they kind of took it on as like their baby. And mm -hmm. I think it was something they just really bought into and knew would be a really good fit for our school. Yeah, that's great. Uh, so let's talk about some of the awesome and fun ways that you are engaging students and getting them excited about meeting expectations. Can you tell us about what are some of the different pieces that you have in place to reward and recognize students? Absolutely. So there's a running joke around here that I have become almost a carnival worker, you could call it, um, because we have implemented lots of fun parties for our kids, like popcorn parties and snow cone parties. We did purchase popcorn and snow cone machines. So I very quickly learned how to make popcorn and snow cones with those machines. And our kids love those parties. Sometimes we do them by grade level. Sometimes we do them school-wide. It depends on how many kids have cashed out. But they get to come out to the bus ramp. We've got music going. We engage a lot of our volunteers on campus and they get to interact with the kids. And the kids are just so excited. Some of these kids have never had a snow cone before. So seeing that like magic of what a snow cone is and either the amazement or maybe the letdown for some of them um, has been awesome. We also have um, some of our really popular prizes are we have a wheel of choices in our cafeteria. So students can cash out to spin the wheel in front of the whole cafeteria. And there's different prizes on the wheel that they can earn. We have a book vending machine that we purchased so students can earn a token that they put into the book vending machine and it brings a book out for them. And then at the end of the year, we have some really big prizes that students can cash out for. So in the past, we had pie principal payload. So our students got to pie our principal in the face. 
We had principal Sunday, so they got to turn our principal into a Sunday. One year, our principal got slimed. He's been very dedicated to our yeah, students. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> but um, this year, we're doing something new. We're doing a big water challenge and water day. So we've rented water slides. We're going to have water squirters and foam cannons and lots of cool things. So that's one of those bigger prize items that our students really are saving up for. Wow. It sounds like the creativity is definitely flowing and you have a principal who is uh, very willing <laughs> to to be turned into a reward. What kinds of expectations are, are you emphasizing uh, for your students? Of course, all these amazing prizes and incentives, you know, they are working hard and learning new behaviors. Uh, what does that look like uh, from grade to grade? So we have school-wide expectations. Those are our pause expectations. Our mascot's a panther, so we went with PAWS. And mm -hmm. the P is, stands for positive attitude. A is act responsibly. W is work together. And S is show respect. And what mm -hmm. we've done is that is K through 5 across our entire building, used in every setting. But we have slightly adjusted them to reflect what whatever setting they are in in the building. So obviously, working together in the cafeteria is going to look a lot different than working together in the classroom. And showing respect, um, you know, in the library is going to look a lot different than showing respect at PE and things like mm. that. So even though the expectations themselves are concrete, we've adjusted them based on where students are in the building, the hallway, the bathrooms, everywhere yeah. on our campus. And then at the beginning of each year, our teachers work with their students to create essential agreements for their classroom. And those are centered around the pause expectations. But together they come up with, okay, how can we as a class show respect to one another? How can we act responsibly in the classroom? And they come up with those together. Wow, that's so smart. And I was going to ask, you know, how do you translate some of those, I guess you might call them values, into the really concrete behaviors and expectations in those different areas. And it sounds like in the classroom, there's actually a lot of student voice and kind of being a part of that process and having those conversations with the teacher. And you all have kind of carved that out as time at the beginning of, of the school year. Is that right? Yes. And we are an IB school as well. Mm -hmm. So I love that you said that they have a voice because as an IB school, one of the things that we are always striving for is for our students to have voice, choice, and ownership. Um, yep. So that allows them to do just that. And then within IB, there's also learner profiles that we're working to develop in our students, basically characteristics or values, like you said. Mm -hmm. So we want them to be principled. We want them to be balanced. We want them to be inquirers. All of these things that just go so perfectly hand in hand with the pause expectations that we've created. That is really neat uh, and something I think other schools could potentially learn from too, just that idea of involving students and in, in creating those contracts in the classroom. So I know you've implemented a uh, or incorporated a house system as well. Can you talk about how that fits in with your PBIS implementation? Absolutely. So this is our first year implementing the house system. So when we implemented live school a couple of years ago, we very much wanted it to be something that the teachers felt was manageable and that they bought into because if they don't buy into it, then obviously it cannot be implemented to its fullest potential and with fidelity. So we've done a kind of a slow rollout every year. We've maybe added a little bit more, a little bit more so that they felt comfortable with it. And we were so excited to implement the house system this year. 
Um, our, our leadership team ha is competitive in nature. So it's been really, really fun to bring kind of the competitive element in, even on the staff side, you know, not just with the kids, but building that camaraderie fr with the staff from the get-go. At our first um, back-to-school or one of our first back-to-school meetings in pre-service week, we did a big house um, day. And basically, we set up different tables in our media center, and they were decked out in colors. So <laughs> you could clearly walk in and see, okay, that's the turquoise table. That's the lime green table. And then we did a scavenger hunt as staff. And it was just such a cool way to get staff to like buy into this camaraderie and getting their students excited about it. Um, but students were randomly sorted into houses okay. by the live school program, which is a great feature. You know, not that I have to manually put 1200 kids into houses. And um, it's just really cool to see their excitement. We put a TV up in our cafeteria with the points dashboard up. So every time house points are changing, students are seeing it. I'm walking by and hearing their conversations. Oh, my house just took the lead or, oh, your house won this month because we do have house winners every month too. So our students earn a different incentive if their house was the winner for the month. What kind of impact have you seen on the culture in the building from having that in place? I guess there's students who are on the same house as kids in other grades, if I'm if I'm hearing right. What's that like kind of be before and after from, from last year to this year? I would say that we've always had a relatively positive school climate. Mm -hmm. But like you said, it kind of breaks down that barrier of different grade levels when they see other students in their house. So we do a house day once a month. So students come to school wearing their house color. And like I said, it breaks down that barrier for them to have conversations with younger kids, whereas a fifth grader may not have interacted with a first <laughs> right. grader before because they may not have that much in common. But you know what? We're both in the red house. So now we do have something in common. Um, yeah. You know, it gives the younger ones an opportunity to maybe look up to some of those older kids and, you know, the upper grades that are in their house. Um, and it's just they really enjoyed it. That's awesome. And just curious, how how are your houses set up? Is it by like, how did you name them uh, each one? So we we worked as a leadership team to come up with names that went along with our IB learner profiles that I was mentioning. So, oh, cool. for example, my house is the Thunderous Thinkers, and we're the Turquoise House. Thinkers is one of our IB Learner profiles. We have the Communicating Champions because a communicator is an IB Learner profile. Mm. We have the Knowledgeable Knights because, again, knowledgeable. All of them go along with our learner profiles. Um, so, it's again, it's making those two things cohesive. Yeah, reinforcing. Yeah. yeah, we don't want our teachers and our students to think, okay, we're an IB school and we're a PBIS school and they're, you know, two separate entities, but it's all yeah. cohesive. Um, and, you know, we just find ways to unite everything. Yeah, even down to the names of, of your houses, uh, it's really cool to hear. And you've mentioned the leadership team a couple of times. I'm guessing that is a group that is really strategizing how to make all these pieces fit together. Could you just share more about like who's on the leadership team? How often do you meet? I'm just curious how you've created all, all these systems. Yeah, absolutely. So the leadership team is made up of my principal, two assistant principals, our IB coordinator, 
myself as the intervention specialist, uh, two reading coaches, and a math coach. So there's a lot of different people with a lot of different expertise. Most of us came from the classroom. Actually, probably all of us have classroom experience. Um, so, you know, very much our, I would say a lot of our hearts is to do what's best for students, of course, but also mm -hmm. for teachers. So even with the live school rollout, wanting to make sure that it doesn't just feel like one more thing on their plate, but it feels like something that they want to do. So like when we rolled it out, we did a rotating in service where basically they went from one room to the next to learn how to do like each component of the live school program. So for example, they went to a room to learn how to make a roster. They yeah. went to another room to learn how to print the parent letters and the access codes. They went to different rooms to learn all of the different components rather than sitting in a room That's for so three creative. hours listening yeah. You know, talking about, okay, this is what you're going to do this, 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 rather than like, okay, let me come alongside you and sit with you and do it. That's really creative. Yeah. And it just, you get up, get moving. It's almost like a scavenger hunt to learn a new program instead of just uh, sitting there PD. Um, so as an intervention specialist, have you noticed any impact of just having essentially classroom behavior data being captured from all the teachers in terms of your ability to know what's going on with a student or the way that, you know, teachers are maybe observing patterns and trends in, in, in a student and how they're able to support them? I have. I think that because live school is something we use for all of our students, you know, that kind of makes it a tier one curriculum mm -hmm. as far as, you know, intervention goes. So when I see that a student maybe is not bought in, to live school and we've tried multiple ways to kind of motivate them and um, you know get them excited and kind of make some of those behavioral changes when they're not making those behavioral changes then I know okay this child may be in need of different interventions and supports yes they're still going to receive everything everybody else is with live school but they may need just a little bit more Another thing that we've implemented is reflection sheets for our students that are tied to the pause expectations. So it's teaching them to engage and reflection about their actions. It's not a punishment. You know, we don't want it to, we're not condemning them for the behaviors right. that they're showing. It's giving them an opportunity to reflect and make a change in their behavior moving forward. But if I'm seeing that a student is not earning live school points and they're engaging in all of these, you know, reflections, then I know that a ch the student may be in need of more behavioral supports. Got it. So it serves almost as like a screening data to help you identify students who do need additional supports. And then, of course, you know, it is a tier one support in, a, in and of itself with all these amazing parties and, and uh, celebrations that students are earning based on their behavior. Um, and to be honest, sorry, to be honest, sometimes it's, it's also, I mean, once in a while, there is a management issue in a classroom too. Right. If we're yeah. seeing the ratio of positive points to demerits is not kind of in the realm where we are used to seeing or want it to be, yep. you know, sometimes it does come down to a management issue, a classroom culture, have the, has the teacher developed positive relationships with the students? Are they focusing on those positive behaviors in the classroom? So sometimes it is that. I mean, as far as our school culture, like I said, we have a very, very positive school culture. So that is rare, but it is sometimes something to look at. 
Yeah. And as a leadership team, have you started to think about what's next? It sounds like you've been adding in pieces and layers of your interventions and school culture initiatives. Um, are there any big ideas on the horizon for next year? You're primarily focused. I, I know you have a big uh, water celebration plan for, for this spring. So the spring is very, very active and exciting when it comes to PBIS. Mm -hmm. uh, last year, I kicked off our first PBIS Palooza. So that's something we're bringing back this year, which is also in May. Um, it is a school-wide event for all of our students to celebrate their positive behaviors from the entire school year. Um, last year, we had a ton of inflatables, a DJ, snow cones, popcorn, games. Um, we had a dunk tank. So lots of super exciting things for our students just to, like I said, celebrate their hard work. So that is something we're bringing back this year. We've got a couple changes up our sleeve that we think our students will be excited about. But moving into next year, I definitely, I would love to implement some kind of house pep rallies so that our mm. students have an opportunity to engage with peers in the same house um, at some point in the school year. So even if it's a kickoff at the beginning of the year, like we talked about, for our fifth graders to get to see the kindergartners in their house and for just to build that camaraderie and excitement and competition right from the get-go at the beginning of the year. Yeah. And you already have the popcorn machine to break the pep rally. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Always have the popcorn machine. How much is a popcorn machine? I, that's so smart. I that don't you know, all but the second own. I start running it, the teachers know because they come <laughs> for some popcorn. You can smell it from a mile away. Yeah, it's such a great thing to have in your school building. Uh, love that. Um, well, I'd love to wrap up with a couple of just bigger picture questions, if that's okay. Um, so one is, you know, there's always kind of this debate when it comes to PBIS and incentive systems between sort of intrinsic and extrinsic um, motivation, right? The idea that we all just value pushing ourselves and growing, that's intrinsic motivation, but uh, also extrinsic. We all like to be recognized and rewarded. I'm just curious, you know, you have a very interesting role as an intervention specialist, also leading uh, programs, positive incentive programs for the school. What have you come to believe around which one's more important or the role that they play in supporting students, especially at the grade, uh, the early grade levels that, that you're serving? I think that, of course, as educators, our goal is to teach students what intrinsic motivation is and to equip them and give them tools so that they are motivated intrinsically. But I do think that developmentally, we we have to remember that some of them are going to just be extrinsically motivated. But again, it's our job to teach them how to be intrinsically motivated. Some of them, you know, they don't they don't necessarily have the tools to be able to do that. And I think it's our job to teach them that. But as far as which one's more, you know, important, um, I think it just depends. I think like everything we do, it's a case by case, kid by kid basis. Um, and it just depends on the kid. Some days they may be motivated intrinsically, but there may be other days that they really need, um, you know, a little pick me up. Yeah. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of educators can relate to that. Uh, and my last question is if you could put up a billboard that every PBIS coach uh, across the country would see on their way to work, is there like a message 
that you really like that you would want to share? Mm, that's a hard question. I feel I feel like finding, let's see, like I said, every kid is so different. So I feel like finding, like knowing, know your kids. That's maybe what I would put up there because we can provide incentives all day long. We can try to figure out what motivates a kid, but sometimes there's just so many layers to them. Even at seven years old, some of the things that these kids walk out at home, outside of our school building, or have walked out before they came to us, we don't know all of the layers to them. And I think that knowing them and figuring out what makes them tick, what motivates them, all of the things is how we can best support them. If we don't know them, we can't support them. We can't celebrate them. You know, we have to know them. Um, so I think, and I think with some of them, just finding the little things to celebrate because some of them, their challenges are so big, not just academically and behaviorally, but so many more challenges. So I think it's so important to find those little things to celebrate about them. But again, we can't do that if we don't know them. Yeah, I, I love that. And know your kids fits perfectly on a billboard. So <laughs> we can, we can put it up all over. Um, no, I think that's a really wonderful idea a great place to wrap up uh thank you so much for for joining us it's really a fun part of my day to hear everything that you all have been up to i hope our listeners picked up some great uh tips and ideas that they can put into place in their school so thank you so absolutely. much absolutely thank you so much